heart. There is a Scottish prayer that states, Lord, give us a good conceit of ourselves. And what I am going to say this morning is that unless we are very conceited in a very special way, we will continue to back ourselves into a kind of doghouse existence that will be unfulfilling for us and for those around us. You see, one of the most conceited people that we have, that we know of in recorded history, is our elder brother, Jesus. He knew who he was, and he didn't make any bones about it. He said in the Gospel of John, He who sees me has already seen him who sent me. Wow. Now here is the difference. This statement is an example of divine conceit, not egotistical pride. Where Jesus, It is possible that we each maintain a type of mental and emotional doghouse where we choose to reside for a portion of our lives. But we don't like to admit that. We don't like to admit that this is what we've done. So what we do is we mask it. We decorate the inside. We put a coat of paint on it or, or, or some pictures on the wall or whatever. And we mask it with excuses and reasons and cover-ups and misplaced humor and untruth affirmation and deeds, negative treasure maps, what I call birds of a feather reinforcement and egotistical facading. That's my word. But no matter how much whipped cream we put on a cow pie, it is still a cow pie. Today we are simply revisiting unity, truth, New Thought 101. So if you are still wearing a physical form and all of the rest of what goes along with it, then you as well as I probably yet maintain some phase of consciousness that in the context of this lesson might be called doghouse-itis. And if we have been covering it up with all different kinds of excuses and reasons and cover-ups, misplaced humor, untruthful affirmations, deeds, negative treasure maps, bird of a feather reinforcement, and even egotistical facading, the opportunity before us at any point, is to step up to the plate and put our actions of mind and heart and mouth in synchronization with the truth that we are learning. Now you are as God created you. Nothing can change that or interfere with that reality. And that, of course, is the good news. Now, why did God create you? Why are you in existence in the first place? Are you in accidental coming together regardless of what you might have been told of a couple of cells or is the race of generic man but another accident that began with another accidental joining of basic building blocks that traveled on comets from way beyond our solar system and that just happened to hit upon a planet that was conducive to a life based on the carbon atom well, I don't believe that I'm sure you are aware of the current controversy, it's not all that current actually, between the proponents of intelligent design and evolution, with each camp, of course, holding the only answer and the only truth. You know, I can really accept a kind of blending of both, but it then strongly reinforces my belief system that there is a basic God idea 
and this God idea is really the truth of who you are. So who are you? Well, we can begin with all different kinds of ways of looking at that. Some are pleased almost forever and satisfied with a simple statement, well, I'm a child of God, or I am a son, or I am a daughter of God. And that does satisfy some people for a while. And it is certainly a transition between worm of the dust thinking and something greater. But child of, or son of, or daughter of, yet implies a kind of anthropomorphic can only be one thing. And that is, if indeed there really is but God, and if the energy that we call God is omnipresent and omniscient and omnipotent, so who are you? Well, you are the direct, downline, fully invested clone of the one who created you. And you now have a mission to carry on this creative process on cosmic levels. And we need to get on with it. And it begins by accepting who we are, nibbling if we have to, and not spending time and energy by seeking to believe who we are not. Today's lesson won't really mean a hoot and a holler if we are yet hanging on to the belief that we are not in the loop of manifesting life through the directive power of the mind. You know, as a person, as a man, woman, thinketh in their heart, so are they. Thought becomes consciousness, and consciousness sends forth its requests to what I call central casting and carpentry, and our lives become the self-fulfilling prophecy of what we have asked for. Now, we don't design a house complete with detailed specifications only to then become angry when the contractor fulfills our requests and we don't like it. Well, many of us yet do. And new thought, unity says to us that we can really no longer do this. Things are at a point in life and in the world and in the unfoldment of the journey when those who know need to know that they know and do something. We can no longer do this if we want to facilitate a change. So if you are a, a luckaholic, an accidentaholic, or a chanceaholic, let's have a 12-step meeting this morning right here as we address possible changes that we can each make in the input level of our life. For yes, while we are the direct downline, fully invested clone of the one who created us and have a mission to carry on this creating process on cosmic levels. Unless we consciously begin to really believe this and explore this in our mind and then act more and more upon this belief rather than on the lesser things, we but postpone the inevitable. And postponement is not a viable choice. Indeed, Lord, give us a good conceit of ourselves. So, let's look more at what I am calling doghouse-itis and how we might do our very best to mask it. We might find out something that we can do a little bit this morning. And the first way we do that is with excuses. Do we know what enhances our spiritual journey? Of course, we all do. We each do. Yet how often does it take second fiddle to things of lesser importance? Well, probably more than we would like to admit. What enhances our spiritual life? Nobody needs to tell us these things. And awareness of the frequency of times we excuse them away 
is but a journey of discovery and self-inventory. We can each do that. What we all can do without, without putting on a robe and walking around looking holier than thou, what we can radically do is simply bring more of God into what we do through the energy of our thought, through the energy of our love. And then we have reasons. Well, I am in the doghouse of life because I can't ever get out of it. God gave it to me. I must have deserved it. It's my karma or whatever. Well, yes, there are cause-effect reasons why we are anywhere. Be it a doghouse type experience or be it a palatial palace prior to our ascension. But remember, nothing save God is set in stone. There are reasons or results in life. And if we have reasons, we will never get results. And if the inputting into consciousness has had undesirable effects, then with proper attention, the results can begin to come into alignment with who and what we really are. And then we have cover-ups, very closely aligned with reasons. Sometimes we cover up doghouse-itis with things like aggressive behaviors that would include, oh, you know, the passive-aggressive stuff, the choices for isolation, overt fantasies, substance abuses, and so many things in this area. Why? Well, each would cover up the need for us to deal with the real problem, and it's always us. Never the condition, never the event, never the circumstance. The condition, event, and circumstance, well, they're the effects. The cause is always within consciousness, within us. But you see, to go there can be initially painful, and we oftentimes don't want to do that. For example, ask anyone about their very first 12-step meeting when at last they became serious about their lives. That was a traumatic moment for them. And yet, like childbirth, which I have no memory of, Almost always the experience is forgotten, I am told, when the new life is held and the new life is nourished. And then we have misplaced humor. For many people, this is one that is put aside with some difficulty. For some will just really not accept that, like prayer, we do not turn off and on the listening ear of consciousness. As we are always praying, we are always making word choices that embed themselves into consciousness that then do what? Send forth a request to central casting and carpentry for a demonstration of our choosing. How many out-and-out -out lies do we speak with a chuckle or laugh that we really would not want to see demonstrated in our lives? There was an interview recently with somebody who had some difficulties with the last storm that came through Tucson and on television he said well if it wasn't for bad luck I wouldn't have any luck at all ha 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 not so the eternal listening ear of consciousness listens and does its very best to cause the fulfillment of whatever it is we speak so watch words and what we give humor to like affirmations set to music, statements punctuated with humor to the quicker become part of the fabric of our being, consciousness, and world. 
Then we have untruthful affirmations and deeds. Untruthful affirmations are closely aligned with some of the things we have spoken to. So, to then scrupulously watch what we are affirming is always a priority. In this category, we could easily include the lyrics to music we enjoy. You know, what are the words saying? Because our sponge mind is soaking them up. If we hear them over and over again, guess what? They become our very own affirmation of what we want our lives to be. What is it saying? Untruthful deeds are things that some, obviously no one here this morning, can casually accept as okay. And this would include being as honest with account that is in another's favor as it is within yours. Why is this a cover-up? Because everyone has been taught by their mama what is right and what is not right. And to allow what isn't right and fair to be a part of one's choices is a way to demean the self. And a self that is demeaned also accepts that it isn't worthy of the kingdom. Negative treasure maps. A treasure map is a visual rendering of the greater good that one is seeking, right? And hence it is a way that allows consciousness to feast on goals for fulfillment, not defeat. Can we have negative treasure maps? Most certainly. We were visiting a home years and years ago, and on the refrigerator door there was a picture of an extremely obese person. I mean five, six hundred pounds bed bound. Now the intent was to look at it and to have it sort of as a reminder of the direction that one would go if one opened the refrigerator door too often. But guess what? It became an image affirmation of what they wanted to achieve. That's what they were looking at. What they really wanted was a picture of a very trim person. So look around your home, your office. What do you see that is always subliminally giving input into consciousness? If you always remember to say, well, I do not remean that, I do not accept that, it perhaps would work, but we don't always remember to do that. So is it worth it to even have it around? It just may be speaking to why we are trying to decorate our doghouse of the inability to manifest the kingdom with something else. Birds of a feather reinforcement. Now, let's meddle. In all probability, if you would do a non-judgmental inventory of your circle of friends, you will find a picture of you as well. For birds of a feather do flock together. And if you don't want to be so categorized and consider working toward getting a new circle of friends, people who demonstrate and better reflect the qualities you want to also have and who will also demand of you the very same thing. If your circle of friends talk with negativity and pessimism, pray tell, what do you think you are allowing to have input into your consciousness and then into your world? If they offer quick sympathy or sadness or you know, let's get down in the pit and grovel together, then realize that this is probably what you down deep are seeking. And again, we find the problem isn't ever them, but it's us. If we are looking for people to commiserate with us, then we are not looking for solutions. We are just looking for reasons. And if any of your friends has a framed copy of Murphy's Laws in a prominent place in their home, Really consider upgrading. Egotistical facading. If this is one of our choices with which to decorate our doghouse, 
itis consciousness, then we will exhibit blowhard tendencies that constantly attempt to cover up even the more deeply embedded excuses, reasons, and all of the other things. Cover it up with bravado, claims of egotistical importance and self-aggrandizement. Here we hide behind the overt use of titles and restatement after restatement of all that we have done in our life, even though we've never been asked about it. It's sort of like the humorous joke about in a conversation you will always know if somebody is a pilot because within five minutes they'll tell you, you know, even if you didn't ask for it. If a doghouse of limitation or self-depreciation is existing anywhere in your world, you don't have to keep it, but we do have to begin to make steps that will result in the effects that reflect the truth of our being, not any lie that we might have carelessly accepted. Both the pain and the swelling have to go. Who are you? Who are we? We are the direct, downline, fully invested clone of the one who created us and now have a mission to carry on this creative process on cosmic levels. But we cannot bring doghouse-itis along with us for the ride. It is far too heavy, and the cost is far too prohibitive. Remember who you are, not who you are not.